Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Do you love a good comeback story? You know, like when someone, you just counted them out and you thought this is it, there's no hope, and then something changes and they, I don't know what happens. Momentum changes, circumstances change, whatever, and they, it's just a good comeback. I, I personally really like them. I love watching stories about them. Most of them make me cry just because that's just kind of how I am. And so I, I thought about a few good comeback stories that have happened in our, in our lifetime. There's, there's many, and we only have time for a few. But one is a guy named Kurt Warner. Anybody know who Kurt Warner is? Kurt Warner? Is someone clapping for Kurt Warner? Is there, is there a fan, Kurt Warner, fan, maybe a family member here? I don't know. Kurt Warner was a quarterback. He got drafted by, he was actually undrafted by the Packers in 1994, went to their camp, got cut from them, and ended up stocking shelves at a high V for $5.50 an hour in 1994. Not a lot of smiles in that aisle for poor Kurt Warner, who, that was for you, Steve. <laughs> Steve's a manager at high V, so I threw this in just for him. So $5.50 an hour, five years later, Kurt Warner is the NFL MVP and a Super Bowl champion. That's a great comeback story. May 28, 2016, the Royals are down seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. And they come back to beat the White Sox. Anybody remember that game? Anybody? Yeah, some of you remember that game. It was incredible. Incredible comeback. It's like one of those things like if you didn't stay up to finish the game because you're thinking that's it, it's over. Have you ever done that? I've done it multiple times. I'll just check my ESPN app in the morning. We'll see what happens. But I'm glad I stayed up for that one. Incredible comeback. Last year, the Virginia basketball team, first team in history to ever lose to a 16 seed. They were the number one seed in the tournament. They got beat by a 16 seed. Do you want to be the team that goes down in history is you're the only team that's ever been beat by the 16? No, not really. But if you paid attention this year, they came all the way back to win it all in pretty dramatic fashion, actually. A couple games, they should have, been, should have been out, but they just by miracle, one last second shot, they get into overtime, they end up winning. Incredible comeback. Just recently, just a few days ago, actually last weekend, Tiger Woods, they say, might have completed the greatest comeback of sports history. If you're familiar with his story, he was out of the game. He was out of the spotlight. He was out of his marriage. He was maybe at some point out of his mind. And then last week he wins the Masters again. Incredible comeback. So after the the NCAA championship, Virginia... They're celebrating. I, I checked my ESPN app the next morning, and I watched a little highlight video. 
And at the, towards somewhere in the video, they use this phrase, from ruin to redemption. Virginia comes all the way back from being the, the loss of the 16th seed to win it all, from ruin to redemption. And that obviously stuck with me. It's obvious that it stuck with me. From ruin to redemption. Well, we're here this morning to celebrate the greatest comeback of all time. Can I get an amen? amen. The greatest, yeah, we can clap for that, all right? Yeah, the greatest comeback of all time. And the redemption that comes to mankind through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. i got to be honest with you. I've been a little excited about this day. I was so excited about this day, I probably slept three hours last night. If I start to, like, like one of these plants start to fold over, someone come and hold me up, all right? But I've been excited about this day. I've been excited because, I'll just be honest with you, I knew there would be a big crowd. I knew there's going to be a lot of extra people here. So I got my hair cut. Wanted to look good. I was going to wear a suit and tie, but I was afraid I would get all wet, so I stuck with this. The Bible is full of ruin to redemption stories from the very beginning to the end. Matter of fact, mankind is introduced to the ruined piece of it very early on in the story when Adam and Eve sin against God, a curse comes upon mankind, it's a bummer of a birthmark that has affected all of us. And that, that, that birthmark separated us from our very, the very one who created us and loved us. And, and mankind was pushed outside of the garden of perfection. And we've been trying to get back there ever since. Joseph, if you know anything about jo the story of Joseph, the Joseph in the coat of many colors, maybe heard the story many different times, found himself in ruin more than once. Thrown into a pit by his brothers. That's a lot of brotherly love. You, got any, you have your sibling here with you. Don't get any ideas. I know the Wilson boys are here. Don't get any ideas. Later he was thrown into a prison after being falsely accused for something that he did not do. I'm sure that at some point he must have thought, that's it, the game's over. <laughs> it's all over. But the crying. But then God stepped in. I want you to pay attention to this theme, God stepping in, because he does it over and over and over again in the lives of the people that we meet in the pages of Scripture. He does it over and over and over again in the lives of the people that are sitting in this room. And we have some personal examples of that as well. Moses comes out of exile from the backside of a desert to be an instrument of redemption for the people of Egypt, and he leads them out of captivity. The prophet Daniel you know that story? Thrown into the den of lions? Certain ruin for any mortal man. The king told Daniel, says, May your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. Well, the next morning, the king hurried to the den. He hurried there because he really loved Daniel. He loved the kind of person Daniel was. There was something about Daniel's character that affected this king. And he goes, Daniel, was your God able to rescue you? And Daniel replied, my God sent his angel and shut the, the lion's mouths, and they haven't harmed me. And then there's the story of Daniel's three friends. If you know that story, those guys that were thrown into this furnace, heated seven times hotter than any furnace ever been heated before. 
But God was literally there with them in that fire. They came out of that fire without a hair singed or even the smell of fire on their clothes, which is pretty amazing because you don't have to be around fire for very long where you just start smelling like it and you smell it the rest of the day. Many more examples in Scripture that we don't even have time to go. We'll actually discover a few of those examples when we read the text of Scripture that we'll be reading out of in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bible with you, sorry some of the lighting is kind of bad in here. They're working on that. But in Matthew chapter 27, if you have your phone with you, you can take it out and turn the light on. You can actually shine it on your, phone, on your Bible if you need to. Or if you have your Bible app, maybe you can get signal in here. Matthew chapter 27 is where we'll be. But until then, I just want to share with you some, uh, some ruins and redemption stories of the people who sit right here in this room. For one, my story is a story of ruin to redemption. My wife at the time, not my current wife, walked out of our our apartment at 2.30 in the morning with our two-year-old little girl because I had left the bar that night with the wrong woman. And I'd never felt such ruin in my whole entire life. So I did the only thing I knew to do is I got up and I drove home to see my mom. <laughs> if anybody's going to love me in the midst of this, it's going to be my mom. She's seen me at my worst and seen me at my best. My mom was going to love me. My mom was disappointed in what had happened. She was frustrated with me. But she was glad that I came home. And it just so happened that there was a revival going on at our local church, the little church I grew up in, in Yates Center, Kansas. Do you think it's a coincidence that there was a revival going on at the midst of my ruin? I don't think so. And the guy that was leading the revival, the preacher, was staying at my mom and dad's house. So there was no getting away from it after it was over. Like when you leave here today, you can walk out and never come back. But I had to go home and there he was. That was the beginning of my redemption. That was the beginning of God buying me back from my ruin. And it led to me finally surrendering my, my life to ministry and saying uh, yes to God. God said, I have something better for you to do. I said, hey, if it's better, I'll go. And here we are today. Ruin to redemption. I know the fact that some of you just being in church this morning is a great comeback. Way to go. Good job. <laughs> Glad you made it back. I know a couple in this room that watched their marriage fall into ruin after 16 years to be redeemed four years later. It's an incredible story. I know people who have felt excruciating pain. The pain that no parent ever wants to feel when it comes to losing a child. I know a family right now that is on their knees in prayer because of a young teenage girl that's hanging on to her life in a hospital right now. They're experiencing ruin. But yet... These families that have gone through this, they're here this morning, praising God in the midst of pain, watching God redeem that pain into real, live, tangible miracles. I know a guy that has doubted God's love and forgiveness in his life for many years. Maybe that sounds familiar. Until just recently, he decided to give his life to Jesus to get rid of the anxiety and fear that he's been living with 
all this time. And now he's stepping out in faith like never before. He's hungry for the word of God. His life is completely different than it was before. He's experiencing true redemption. See, here's a common denominator in all of these stories. No matter the reason for your ruin or the extent of the ruin, God was there. He is here in the midst of it right now. And he's going to be there when you walk away from this place today. He's going to be there in your pain. Scripture says he promises to never leave you nor forsake you. And I know there have probably been times in your life you said, well, you know what, he promises that, but man, it sure felt like he did. Yeah, I get that. I get it. But he's always there offering you redemption, a way out of your own personal prison, if you will. Maybe you need to be taken out of your Egypt. Maybe you feel like you're in a den full of lions and you're afraid they're going to get you at any particular minute. Or maybe you feel like the heat around you is getting hotter and hotter by the minute. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus said this about his own ministry. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because it has anointed me, Jesus says, to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, all right, ruin to redemption, recovery of sight to the blind, and set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus came to do. That's why we worship him. That's why we celebrate this day. God has always been in the business of being present. Now at Christmas, another big time of the, the Christian, uh, Christian lives, at Christmas we celebrate the coming of the Savior into the world. We, we hear this phrase a lot, Emmanuel, right? God with us. God with skin. In the form of Jesus, he dwelt with his people. He took on human flesh to be with us. Not from a distance, shouting down orders, but he came and he got messy with us. He got his hands dirty. He taught us. He led us. He healed us. He comforted us. Ultimately, to take your sin and mine to a cross to provide the redemption that only he could bring to us. See, to redeem something means to buy it back. And you had to pay a price to buy it back. And no matter how good you are, you can't pay that price. Only Jesus can afford it. Because only Jesus' blood was pure enough to wash it clean. Man got themselves into a mess, into ruin back in the, in the garden. And Jesus came to buy us back. To bring us back to his Father. Matthew chapter 27. We're doing good on time too. Man, this is awesome. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, Matthew 27 verse 11. Before we get there, Jesus has this last meal with his followers. He's told them over and over again what's going to happen, though they're a little slow to get it. He prays in the garden. And then his, one of his friends, one of the people that it was a follower of his, his name is Judas. Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then Jesus' friend, one of his closest confidants, denies even knowing who he is to complete strangers. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the ruin that Peter felt after denying Jesus. It says, it says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. 
And do you think at that particular moment for Peter it was like, that's it, it's all over, but the crying. The game's over. I'm done. What we thought was so incredible, we had this good thing going with Jesus, three years of incredible ministry, catching fish like we've never caught fish before, all these things. And it comes down to this place where Peter says, I don't even know the man. He shouted out curses saying, I don't even know him. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he was afraid. Fear is a demotivator for our faith. And Peter was afraid. He saw what they were doing to Jesus. And he later saw what they did to Jesus. But Peter, the good thing is if you read on in the story, Peter didn't stay in ruin. He was redeemed and became one of the best preachers that there ever was. That's what happens when you find freedom. You become an incredible follower. Well, so let's look in Matthew 27, starting at verse 11. So Jesus is now handed over to the governor, to, to a guy named Pilate. You may have heard about him before. It says, Jesus stood before the governor, and he asked Jesus this question. He said, are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, you say so. While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. But to Pilate, he answered. He said, yeah, you say so. And then Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But Jesus didn't answer him on even one charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. At the festival, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner that they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it that you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, the one who is called the Christ? For he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I have suffered terribly in a dream because of him. Pilate should have listened to his wife. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Many times I should have listened to my wife. <laughs> Would have kept me out of some ruin. But Pilate went ahead and just moved forward. And he said, um, The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask Barabbas, Asked for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor, governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Now, can you imagine Barabbas? Barabbas was in ruin because he deserved to be in ruin. He was a murderer. And he was in prison waiting for his death sentence. And can you imagine the feeling of redemption that came to Barabbas when they came to his cell, opened up the door and said, dude, I don't know how this happened, but you get to go free. Have you ever felt that in your life? Where somehow, some way, God's grace reached you and he tells you, you get to go free. And you're like, wait a minute, after everything that I've done, I'm sure Barabbas was thinking, whoa, like I deserve to be here. And they open up the door and they set him free. You know what that's called? That's called grace. It's when you get what you don't deserve. And he got it. And my question is, did it change Barabbas at all? Do you think Barabbas was different after that day? Man, I hope so. I hope that he became like a great leader somewhere in the church because of his incredible experience with God's amazing grace. Do you know what? That's my prayer for all of you. My prayer is that you get so affected by God's grace in your life that you are not the same. Like you were once in prison and now you're free. That kind of experience. Now God's patient with you. Probably more patient than the pastor is. 
But that's what he wants for you. Pilate asked them, what should I do with this Jesus who is called Christ? They all answered, crucify him. And then he said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I'm innocent of the man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, his blood be on us and our children. Whoa, they should have never said that. They got what they asked for there. Then he released Barabbas to them, and after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. The governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's residence, gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him, dressed him in a scarlet robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, placed a staff in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail to the king of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the staff and kept hitting him on the head. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put on his own clothes, and led him away to be crucified. As they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. They forced him to carry the cross. Now listen, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories are all just a little bit different, but don't get freaked out by that. It's just you got four different people giving you different perspectives and the things that they saw and the things that impacted them. Right? You'll walk away here today. And some of the, maybe the music touched you. Maybe the baptisms got you right in the feels, you know. Or maybe it's something that you heard in the message. Maybe this incredible artwork. I don't know, whatever it is. It'll affect you differently. And you'll talk about it differently than the rest of the people. And so in this particular story, they talk about this man named Simon who helped carry the cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave Jesus wine mixed with the gall to drink. But when he tasted it, refused to drink it. After crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots, which was prophesied about long before it ever happened. Listen, God is in the details of your life. The smallest details, he's in it. Don't miss that. Then they sat down where they were guarding him there. Above his head, they put on this charge against him in writing, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two criminals were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left, okay? Now, in Luke's gospel, it talks more about these two criminals. One cursed Jesus, the one praised Jesus, and the one went from ruin to redemption. Because Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, did this guy get off the cross and go prove his love for Jesus? No. You know what he received? He received grace. Grace. He didn't do anything to earn it. He received it because of God's great love for him. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Man, praise God, Jesus didn't listen to them. That he stayed there until the end, until it was finished. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him and said, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he takes pleasure in him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, even criminals who were crucified with him taunted him. Obviously, one of them must have had a change of heart. (laughs) 
right before he probably died. You know that in this particular scenario, they're saying, Jesus, show us and we'll believe. But let me tell you something that's different about Christianity. I encourage you to believe so that you will see. Do you hear it? You've got to believe to see. If you want to see all the goodness that God has for you, commit your life to him. And watch him unveil, take the veils off your eyes and then show you his great love for you, show you his purpose and his plans for you, but you have to believe in order to see it. Otherwise, you just have a veil over your eyes. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out. He said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He said, this is, he says, this is my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Christ says, this is, Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he quotes this, he says, Christ bore the sinner's sin, and thus he had to be treated as though he were a sinner. Though a sinner, he could never be. In one place in the Bible, it says Jesus became sin on our behalf. Literally, Jesus became the ultimate ruin of mankind. The ugliness of our sin, that's what Jesus took on himself. He became ruined in order so that we might be redeemed. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, got a sponge with sour wine and put it on a stick and handed it up to him. Listen, Jesus had to be lifted up in order to draw men to himself. This was part of the plan. It wasn't like, oh, now what do we do? God knew this was going to happen all along. And Jesus followed his father's will and was obedient to it, even to the point suffering, great ruin for you and for me. The rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earthquake, the rocks were split. And did you know this? It says the tombs were also open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in Christ were raised And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. Talk about ruin to redemption. Families had long put away, you know, the the old flowers and the funeral dishes had been returned. And they had gone on with their life. And the next thing you know, their family member knocks on the door and said, I'm back. Listen, I know some of you say, I would give a million, I'd give all the money in the world for that to happen. Because you've lost someone dear to you. But here's the reality. For the most of us, we're not going to be able to have them come back to us, but you can sure go to where they are. Believe it to see it. (laughs) It's going to happen someday. They appeared to many. When the centurion and those that were there They were keeping watch over Jesus and saw what had happened. They were terrified, and one of them said, Truly, this man is the Son of God. Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee looked after him, or who had looked after him were there watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, another person who had been in ruin, had been redeemed by Jesus, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. And then... And then comes Saturday. Can you imagine what it was like for them on Saturday? Jesus was gone, crucified dead. They had taken him off the cross. They had put him in a tomb. Saturday, all day Saturday, 
I'm sure they were felt like, this is it. That's it. Game over. All over but the crying. And then there was Sunday morning. Isn't that the reason why we're here to celebrate this morning? Sunday morning, after the Sabbath was over, they came back to the tomb. They find out that the tomb that was sealed with, with soldiers and sealed by the governor, a huge rock was pushed away, and they run in and they see that Jesus is not here. Why? Because he is risen. Jesus was raised to life to defeat the greatest ruin that all of us will ever experience, and that is the ruin of death. And because of Jesus' resurrection, we don't have to fear death any longer. He's defeated it because of his resurrection. It's powerful. And by the payment of Jesus' life in exchange for ours, we are reconciled to God. Our relationship is restored. Paradise is regained. That's good news, ladies and gentlemen. So let me ask you something. As we get ready to finish up our time inside here. Just an honest question. Honest question. How many of you would say that today that you are still in the ruin phase and you have yet to be redeemed? That's an honest question. That's a powerful question. That is a question that only you can deal with between you and God. You might be able to fool your family, but deep down inside in the deep recesses of your heart when you are laying in bed at night, you know that I've never fully surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never really given him everything. I can't answer those questions that I believe that Jesus is Lord, that I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and that I'll follow Jesus the rest of my life. If that's the case... You're still in a state of ruin. Scripture says that we are, by nature, objects of wrath because of that. Did you know even sweet little Nora, before she put her faith in Jesus, was separated from God because of the sin of mankind? I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. That's the curse that came through one man, Adam. But the blessing and the life that comes through the one man, Jesus, will get you out of that and bring you into an eternal, a completely different place called life. I love what it says in the book of Ephesians. It says that, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. And then he also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurably riches, or immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by faith, or through faith. It's not from a gift, something you've done for yourselves. It's God's gift for you, not from works so that you can't boast and say you had anything to do with it. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared ahead of time for us to do. All right, so listen, there's two things I want you to do. If you're here this morning and you're honest with God and you're honest with yourself, you say, Brady... I haven't moved from ruin to redemption yet because I have not trusted in Christ as my Savior, but I want to. I'm just going to be bold right now. I'm going to challenge you. Don't be afraid. Stand up right where you're at. Stand up right where you're at. If you want to move from ruin 
to redemption. You want to know the salvation that comes through faith in Jesus. If you're, gonna, if you're, if you're afraid to do that here, you're never going to be able to do that out there. I'm just going to be real with you. This is, this is the training ground for that. That's why this church exists, to help other people find Jesus, to know the freedom that they can find through Jesus. So if you say, you know what, Brady, I've never confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I've never really believed that God raised Jesus from the dead, but I want to today. I want you to stand up right where you're at. Don't be afraid. So you're telling me in a crowd this size, everybody's got it all figured out. You're good. Okay. All right, I hope that's, I hope that's true. I hope you're being honest. The next piece. Maybe uh, you're here this morning and say, Brady, I, I, I've, I've been, I once was ruined. I've been redeemed by Jesus. But, you know, I haven't really been giving him my all. Maybe I, maybe I need to follow him into, in baptism or uh, maybe I need to realize that I am really God's workmanship and he's, he's got things prepared for me to do and I need to, I need to step out in faith. I need to do those things. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to stand up right where you're at. Is that you today? Stand up right where you are. We got some finally some honest people in the room. Yeah. So look around. See these people that say, you know what? I know this truth. I've known it for a long time, but I need to walk it out in a more in a fuller measure. I need to step out in faith. I need to to allow um, God to work in me and through me. All right. So let's just pray right now for those people that are standing. Father, we just pray a blessing over them. We pray that you would encourage them? Would you give them courage to step out, to discover the calling that you have for their life? To use them in whatever way you see fit. In order for them to point others to this one who can move them from ruin to redemption. If we've been redeemed, it's, it's, it's our calling to help other people find that redemption. We'd ask that you would move in that way, that you would use them, you would Bless them, encourage them today. Meet them. As they stood up, God, would you meet them there and reveal yourself to them, reveal what it is that you have prepared in advance for them to do. God, I pray for everyone else that's in this room as we walk away from this place today that we would be reminded of the great comeback stories and that we would know that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you have a purpose and a plan for each of us. And you want us to walk that. You want us to experience the fullness of life here on earth. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.